slightly older children, there are some worksheets at the back with some pictures on, and I have a prize, an Easter prize, it's chocolatey, for anyone who completes the sheet for the next few moments and brings it to me at the end of the service, okay? So if you bring me the sheet at the end of the service, you need to listen, because I'm going to give you cues about what to draw. And if you draw, finish the sheet and bring it to me at the end, there'll be a little treat. Now, this is particularly for our newly baptized candidates, but it's for the whole church who have been baptized. We're remembering together again what it means to be baptized. And it might be for you if you're here looking in. You wouldn't call yourself a Christian just yet, but you're looking in, curious, and thinking, what does it mean? What does it mean when someone is baptized? Three things. Here we go. Three things. At least three things. Number one, in baptism, because of the resurrection of Jesus on that first Easter Sunday, we can say all our sins are washed away. So I want you to listen. Hallelujah. I want you to listen to the Apostle Paul who speaks like this. He's speaking to a group of people. He's encouraging them to become Christians. And he says this, what are you waiting for? Get up be baptized and wash your sins away calling upon his that is jesus name and then to the church later on paul writes the church in corinth he says this talking about when they became christians he says you were washed there you go water you were washed thinking about baptism you were sanctified you were justified in the name of the lord jesus christ and by the spirit of our God. So children, when you get in the shower, when you get in the bath, and you're cleaning in between your toes, around the backs of your ears, and your armpits and all that, cleaning off all the goo and the gunk, and adults, I'm guessing we do this too, getting rid of all the smelly stuff, we're cleaning the outside of our body. But in baptism, and because of what Jesus has done and achieved for us at Easter time, we can say there's a cleansing, a washing away of all our sins so that everyone sat here today who's been baptised can recall that moment. Much like you might recall your wedding day. That was the day that I was married to my spouse. You can recall your baptism and say that was the day in faith when the Lord God, through the power of the Spirit, washed all my sins, wrongdoing, every record of wrongs, gone because of the might and power of Jesus' glorious resurrection. Washed our sins away. So children, here's a first picture you could draw on your sheets, all right? First picture, you could draw, not the outside of the body, but maybe the heart. I thought the heart getting sort of power hosed, or maybe in a bath or something, you could draw that. Or you could draw maybe someone standing in a waterfall and all of these words are coming off them like pride, like uh, selfishness, like anger, bitterness. All those words are kind of falling off them as they stand in this stream. You could draw a picture of that. Or you could draw a picture of just water that looks really powerful, the kind of water that could go through flesh and bone. I don't know what that looks like, but you could imagine. What does that kind of water look like that could go through flesh and bone and clean our inside? You could draw a picture of that while well, I just speak to the adults one more, for one more moment on this one. 
You may sit there and think to yourself, this is too wonderful, this is too fantastic, that in one moment the Lord could forgive someone all of their sins. You may even think this. Sometimes you might think, hang on a second. I'm thinking of someone right now who's wronged me so badly. I don't know if you can think of someone like that. How is it the case that the Lord can just forgive them in an instant? Because that's what the promise is in baptism. Is it really? Is it really that simple? Let me, let me tell you what happened on the day that Jesus rose and met his disciples. He was proud of something. He wanted to show off something to his disciples. Do you remember? They didn't quite recognize. His body was gloriously resurrected, so much so that they didn't quite recognize him. All the disciples, Cleopas on the road to Emmaus, the disciples when they met him, Mary in the garden, they're like, is he the gardener? They couldn't quite see who he was. He was gloriously resurrected in his new creation body. And yet, Luke and John tell us that he was proud to show off his scars. He showed his disciples. He said, come and see. Stop doubting and believe. And come and put your hand in the places where I was scarred. It's like he's proud of them. Come and see them. Come and put your fingers in them. Touch them. When we look upon Jesus, you will see forever that even though in one act someone can be washed of all their sins, it cost the Son of the living God his life. And he will bear those scars always. Do you remember at the very end of the Bible when John writes in Revelation, they look, all of the people of God gathered at the very end of the age, the end of all things, they're gathered there together, they look upon Jesus and they say, it looks like a lamb who had been slain. And they worshipped. Forever, brothers and sisters, we will look upon Jesus, the lamb who was slain, we will see what it cost for him to wash all our sins away. Amazing. Number two, in baptism we receive the spirit of the living God. So at Christmas, remember at Christmas we say God is with us. At Easter, we can say God is for us. He's become our saviour to die for us. And in baptism, when someone becomes a Christian, we can say God is within us. He has come to make his home in our lives and in our hearts and empower and equip every new Christian such that Jesus actually describes it as a stream of living water will, will start to flow from within that person. What a wonderful image. Can you imagine that? A stream of living water. This is what Jesus says. Whoever believes in me, this is what he said. As scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him would later to receive. So children, here's a picture for you. Second box, if you've got the sheet, you could draw a picture of maybe a river flowing out of a person. You could sort of imagine what that looks like. A sort of river, of, a life-giving river flowing out of a person. You could draw that. You could draw, a, you could draw a picture of a dove, maybe a dove, like a big winged dove stood behind a person, like showing that they're filled with the Spirit. Or perhaps the face, you could draw someone's face looking like transformed 
A new power has come into someone's life, the power of God's Spirit, and it's a ah, shocked face. Maybe that's what you can draw on your sheets. When someone becomes a Christian, the Spirit of God brings new desires. Was that your experience? Previously, you had maybe very little interest in Jesus, didn't care much for the Lord and his ways, and then he calls you. You put a call on your heart, you repented, you were baptized, and there's new desires. Let me tell you one thing that every writer in the Bible has in common. All the prophets, all the apostles, they all have one thing in common. They write lots of different things, but one thing in common. All of them want to make much of Jesus. That is what they want to do. In all their writing, in all their preaching, in all their sharing, one thing in common. I want to make much of Jesus. And so, um, that is the big change. The Spirit brings that into our lives. And then we start to say things like, in my life, in my career, in my job, in my marriage, in my family, in everything I do, now, I want to make much of him. And even, even in my suffering. I'll offer one thing, just for those amongst us who may be thinking to themselves, but hang on, how can I be actually sure that Jesus rose from the dead? It's what we think about Easter Sunday, right? How can I be sure? This is my little thing that I often offer to people when they say, how do you know? Yeah, but how do you know? How do you know Jesus rose from the dead? Here's my little thing. It's not mine. Uh, C.S. Lewis put it on paper for me, but here's what he said. He said there was three things, three uncontested things in the story of Jesus. Number one, that he lived. Number two, that he died on a Roman cross. And number three, that the church emerged, exploded even, from Jerusalem and outwards. Three totally uncontested facts. Every historian, Christian or not, would agree Jesus lived, he died Roman crucifixion, and the church exploded out of Jerusalem. And let's just linger on those for a moment. Jesus lived, but he was poor. He wasn't born to status or money. He lived, and then he died. And at his death, remember what happened to all of his disciples, all of them? They all fell away, they all deserted him, and they all said no. The Jewish Messiah does not go to his death, not like this. Not in shame and ho the horror of a crucifixion. That does not happen to God's Messiah. And they deserted him. They ran off. They feared for their own lives. They went back to their fishing boats. They thought they might be next. And so they scarpered. Every last one of them, even Peter. Peter, who was so zealous, every last one of them went. That's point two. Point three, the church explodes. How does that happen? The disciples start speaking in the very place where they'd be persecuted the most, Jerusalem. Many people start to become Christians. They share their faith, they share their life, even though it was getting them in terrible trouble, persecuted and even killed. As many of those first disciples were. They were killed. They were persecuted. And they had a completely transformed view of suffering. Completely changed. So that they, were, they saw in their sufferings, they went, hang on a second. 
We can suffer. We can even suffer shame and indignity and even die. Those disciples did that. The church exploded and grew from Jerusalem, that place that, that, place that was religiously motivated not to believe in Jesus. It started there and spread out into the known world. Now, my question always is, how do you get from two to three? Historians and everyone has to answer that question. Jesus lived, Jesus died, everyone walks away from the carpenter from Nazareth, the failed Jewish Messiah. Number three, the church explodes. How do you get from two to three? It's a good question to ask. The simplest, most straightforward answer is to take not just one, not just two, not just three, not just four, not just five eyewitnesses, six, seven, eight, the apostles, as they wrote down for us, we saw the risen Christ. We saw him. It is the only thing you can put between two and three that makes any sense. Because, of course, when they see that, they say, we can suffer. We can suffer shame. We can be persecuted. We can even die. Because we know that death has no hold anymore. And all of that is a gift of the Spirit of God who comes into every believer and gives you the same power to testify to the great name, the risen name of Jesus. That's point two. Finally, point three. You are united. In baptism, we are united with Jesus. We're brought into him. I went, I went around the baptism candidates as we were preparing for this day, and I said it's a bit like this. Imagine Jesus is the Bible. Here we are. Here's Jesus. He's the Bible. And you, I could put every single one of you on sheets of paper here, your names on these papers here, and I could hide you, tuck you in there, in Jesus like that. So now, whatever happens to Jesus, happens to you. So just as Jesus went down into death and rose up into new life, so everyone inside goes down. Their old life has gone. Their life before they knew Jesus in opposition to God and God's ways, that old life has gone down into death. It's in the tomb and dead. Their new life comes up with Jesus, resurrected from the grave, his forevermore. And just as Jesus was given a glorious resurrection body, so too everyone who repents and believes and is baptized in his name in union with Jesus, will similarly follow. So children, box three, you could draw a book and a piece of paper. You could draw that image. Jesus is the book, we are the paper. We're in him, hidden in him, where he goes, we go. Or like a needle and a thread is another great picture. Think of a needle. Wherever the needle goes, there the thread goes. We're united with Jesus where he goes down into death and up out the other side, so we go with him. Or you might like to draw Jesus taking your hand like through a dark tunnel. He'll take you, he'll carry you, he'll hold on to you, maybe clasping your wrist. 
I'll walk you through the darkest of death and bring you up and out the other side. That's the promise that Jesus makes. So you can draw that if you wish. Listen to this, Romans 6. Listen to the way Paul speaks here. Don't you know that all of us who are baptised into Christ Jesus, there it is, all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death. We went down. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For, listen to this, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly, certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. And for all these reasons, this is why this is called, in the Church of England, we call it a sacrament, a sacred moment, something very special, full of promise. Can you see that? Washed my sins away. Notice these are all things that God does. Isn't that true? We step forward in the simplest of faith with a mustard seed of faith. Each of these candidates. I don't ask too many questions. I say to you, do you want to be baptised? Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. That's it. Simple declaration of faith in Jesus' name and all the promise all the promises of God, sins washed away, empowered by his spirit and brought into that closest of unions with Jesus so that he will take you through death and the grave and bring you out on the other side with a glorious resurrection into God's new creation forever. Brothers and sisters, Easter Sunday, full of promise. I trust all of us, as we renew our baptismal vows in one sense or another today, will feel and know the incredible promises of the living God in our lives today and always. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Living Lord God, we praise and thank you for the mercy and wonder and forgiveness and joy of Easter Sunday. What a victory. Lord Jesus, you burst up out of the grave. Death could not hold you. And you did it on our behalf and for us so that all of those of us here who call upon that name, Lord Jesus, might know you, might be known by you, might be held by you, might be yours, safe with you, united with you, so that we have no more fear of suffering, of death, 
but only the hope and deep assurance of a new life now and in that resurrection future. Lord God, we thank you for Easter Sunday. Praise him. And we praise him in his own mighty name. Amen.